Welcome to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margot Jaco. Are you a clinician looking to find the balance between providing compassionate client care and business agility? This show will help with things you need to know to start or grow your practice and better serve your clients. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. So glad to have you here. And I'm really happy to welcome today's guest. We have with us Julie Broad from Las Vegas, where it is sunny and uh, looks like you have lots of nice light there. So let me tell you a little bit about Julie. Julie Broad is the founder of Book Launchers, a self-publishing service firm, and is an Amazon number one best-selling author. Since 2009, she's been helping subject matter experts write, publish, and promote nonfiction books that will boost their business, which I'm so excited for us to talk about today. An expert on writing a book with marketing in mind, Julie teaches the best approaches to get results, make an impact, and ultimately make more money. Julie always leaves people inspired, excited, and with clear steps to take action immediately. So I'm very happy we might have some of those things for our listeners today. Welcome, Julie Broad. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. So, you know, one of the things I love about doing this podcast is I get to have conversations with people that I hope help and help our listeners, but I always find like there's a little something in it for me too. So that's exciting. So, you know, I have to say, and I, I would imagine you're hearing this from other people too. If we've learned nothing from this darn pandemic, it's that we cannot just have one revenue stream. And I'll tell you, I remember the bone chilling moment when we were on lockdown and I realized all of our therapists were going home and we didn't know how we were going to work or when we were going to work again. And thank goodness, you know, there was Zoom and everything converted to virtual. But my gosh, I don't ever want to feel that again. I don't ever want to be in that position again. So certainly writing and publishing and speaking can be a whole nother revenue stream. So I imagine I am not the first person since COVID to bring that up. Yeah, it's actually, I was at the National Speakers Association conference in Orlando, and a couple of people were talking about how the speakers that thrived during the shutdown and, and even all the challenges in the last two years, they were the ones that had their branding and their content marketing on point. They were the ones that were creating multiple, it's the streams of income, but it's also those touch points. They weren't just speaking. They had their books. They had the books, you know, being converted into blog posts. They had videos, you know, they had all the pieces and they were the ones that actually thrived during the pandemic. They didn't just survive. And, and so that was a really interesting comment because I think all of us in business can take a look at that and realize that any one point, if you're reliant on one thing, whether it's one thing for your marketing, one thing for your income, it's time to diversify because you never know what's coming around the corner. Hmm, I love that. So folks, that is really part of the point today. We have to diversify. And most of our audience are therapists or therapists who own practices. And that is something that we learned in spades. Now, we have all been very, very busy. As you might imagine, during COVID, there is a shortage of mental health providers. So folks are busy. But here's the thing. I keep saying to people, because I do consultation for practice owners across the country, and they're getting kind of, you know, I don't want to say complacent, but some of them aren't thinking ahead. Like this isn't going to last forever. 
And so we need to continue to be thinking about our branding and our marketing and what are other revenue streams going to be about. And I think for therapists, something like writing a book and trying to get some speaking engagements is just like a natural segue. So if we focused a little bit in that arena, can you speak a little bit, Julie, about how writing a book can be helpful? And you mentioned that on your website that it can be even more helpful than having credentials. Now, everybody in our, you know, most therapists have to have a degree and have a license. But boy, you write that book and all of a sudden you are a superstar, even if you, you know, went through the eighth grade. So can you speak a little bit about that? What is that allure? Well, I think part of it is exactly what you just said. Everybody in your industry has, has the same credentials. So how do you stand out? How are you different? And writing a book on the subject, um, on the problem that you most want to help people with, or the, the angle that you speak towards, you know, that's slightly different than everybody else, or the approach that you use, you know, that's how you will stand out and differentiate yourself. Because otherwise, you're just talking years of experience. And that's such a boring way to differentiate. And, <laughs> yes. and, and in many cases, that's yes. also a deterrent, right? Because some people are looking for the people right. who have the new and hip approach. And you telling them that you have 25 years experience actually turns them away. So, you know, you really want to figure out who are you trying to help and what is the message that you have that's even just a little bit different. And so one of the things I always kind of recommend people start with, because there's probably been a book written maybe 20 or 50 or 100 (laughs) in this space that you want to write about. So what is something that you talk about that either really resonates where like, you know, like you see somebody five years later and they're still, they say, hey, like what you said that one day has changed my life. Um, that can be one thing. Or the other thing is those commonly held beliefs within your industry that you actually disagree with. And mm-hmm. they, they everybody has them and every industry has them. So that's a really good starting point mm-hmm. for you to say, okay, that's what my, that could be kind of, we call it the hook. That could be the hook of my book. But, you know, first, before we do all that, you really want to figure out what's your overall goal. Like what's success with this look like for you? Um, because you've mentioned a lot of things and speaking is one thing. Selling books is, is in many cases another And so you want to write your book with the biggest, most important goal in mind and kind of, you know, start with the end in mind. You kind of want to write the book that will achieve that goal. Other things will happen, but you want to have the big picture in mind before you start. Mm. All right, folks. So that is the place to start. You may have a great idea, but you want to start with the end in mind. What are you hoping this book will do for you? Will it be a revenue stream? Will it invite in some other opportunities for speaking? Will it get you more clients? Will people see you as a subject matter expert? All of that is probably the place to begin. So writing a book for most people feels really daunting. And then the thought of, oh my gosh, how am I going to get published? Will you speak about self-publishing? And I just went through this process where I had I've written a book. I said, well, you know, I'll float it past some traditional publishers. If nothing happens, sort of like the default or the the second best would be, well, I'll just publish it myself. And it did get picked up and I'm, you know, now in that whole process. But, you know, I think there's much to be said. I really did dive in some to this idea of self-publishing and there's much to be said about that. So if somebody feels really daunted by the whole process, they could start with the, well, what's the big why? What's the big end goal? But then how can they be thinking about it in terms of self-publishing? What does that process look like? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, one piece I want to kind of mention is, is I started this company, Book Launchers, because originally I was of the mindset that I had to be chosen. 
And so when I went through a whole thing with Wiley and in the end, where they actually gave me a book idea, and then three months into the book proposal, they decided that I didn't have a strong enough marketing platform to sell books. And so they rejected me. And I kind of went on this vengeance path of I'm going to do it better than if Wiley did. And I published and Yeah, right. <laughs> so but what was cool about that whole experience was I realized, first of all, Wiley was going to shove me into a book I really didn't care about. And the book I wanted to write in the first place was one that I really knew would help people, even though they told me it wouldn't sell. And so I was able to write the book that I really believed was going to have an impact and help people and self-publishing. And I took it to number one overall on Amazon in Canada. And this is when I used to live in Canada. Like they didn't have a real estate book that had gone to number one on Amazon. So here I was a self-published niche author who took a book to number one. So it opened my eyes to the realization that I don't need publishers. And some people will still want them and that's totally fine. But I kept full ownership of my book. I had all the royalties. I In that sales month, I made almost $100,000 in royalties. And wow. if I had gotten a book deal, it would have been under $10,000. Yes. Right. So, <laughs> so that's huge financial it's, difference it's if you can be difference. successful. And the, the other piece that's really important is the rights. So especially if you want to speak or run, have courses or kind of do anything else with this content, you don't get to keep the rights in most cases. And sometimes you don't even get to do an audiobook and the publisher doesn't do an audiobook and you might really want one, but they have the rights to it. So there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle. And the rights is something I never realized I was actually selling. because like, To me, it's my stories, my expertise, but no, it actually then belongs to the publisher. Yeah. So yeah, so you get limited in what you can do with that content. So, so I'm really passionate about it, but you're right. It is a huge process. And if I didn't have vengeance fueling me, I wouldn't have been able to do it at the level that I did it. <laughs> right. So this group of therapists will understand you used your anger for good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I use that fuel. So I mean, starting places, that's kind of why I started book launchers is because I wanted to help people produce books at the quality of a traditional publisher, but also be thinking about marketing from day one. Because a lot of people write the book when they self-publish or even are thinking, maybe I'll self-publish. They write the book and then they go, okay, now I got to figure out how to market it. And the reality is that to succeed, you need to be thinking about who is this audience? How am I helping them? And how am I reaching them before you start writing a book, ideally, or at least at the very least when you start editing the book so that it can be set up to reach an audience that's going to have an impact on them, but also on your business, because that's probably why you wrote it in the first place. Well, right, exactly. So what would that look like if I'm starting from go? With mm-hmm. marketing in mind, let's say as a therapist, I want to write a book on teenagers and anxiety. I mean, that's yeah. awfully broad, but how, what what would I do to start that process? Because I may know a lot about teenagers and I may know a lot about anxiety and I may know nothing about marketing. So yeah. how would I start with that in mind? It goes back to that problem that you're solving and getting as granular with it as you can. And also looking for that, like I said, that almost controversial piece, right? So that thing that either everybody comes in and they're like, you know, this is what I read on the internet. Like, I know, you know, I know my problem or I know my teenager's problem and I just need you to fix this piece. Or, you know, I'm not, I don't know enough about what those conversations look like. I could kind of imagine some of them. Well, you're, but... you're, you're in the ballpark. <laughs> So that's where I would start is kind of looking at what do most people come in thinking or what have they tried that hasn't worked? 
because you want to get, and this, this should be something you're really good at, is you want to get into their mind and kind of understand where they're at when they would be looking for this book. So mm. what is that problem that you're going to solve? And how are you solving it in that slightly different, slightly more interesting way than what they're finding out there? Or, or what have they tried that hasn't worked that you've actually got a solution to? And so that's where you start because that's your marketing plan. It's what's going to write a book that people are going to want to read, but it's also the marketing plan of how are you going to stand out? How are you going to have something that people will want you to speak to their group or their, you know, their podcast audience or even, even be interviewed for media when you're the person that addresses this problem in that slightly different way? You've got that marketing plan and you've also got your through line for your book. So it, it sounds simple and yet it's quite hard to do. <laughs> because but it makes intuitive sense. So you're, mm-hmm. it's part of your way of standing out. Yeah. And that's, that is a piece of a marketing plan. Because I think when people think about marketing, they think, okay, I need to have contacts and I need to have a whole social media thing and I need to have a website for my book. And, but that's not really all of what you're talking about. You're also talking about just the writing process and make sure that you're speaking not just about what you think is interesting, but what are people coming in and telling you about? right? Take, take that and use it. So we start there. And then what would the next steps be? Yeah. I mean, the next step is to figure out your outline. And so once you know your through line, so once you know the problem you're going to solve and how you're going to solve it, now you construct what you need to tell them in order to do that. And so that's your outline. That's your writing plan. It's really important to know that outcome because a lot of people start writing one book and halfway through they're writing a different book or they, they fatten up the book with all the stories or all the things. They try to put all their knowledge into one book. And really, you don't want to do that. You want to focus, really make that book as concise. And, and I'm not a big you know short book fan. Like I like a book to have a little bit of a spine and have some meat on it. But you just don't want to have a whole bunch of extra stuff. You're not trying to prove to somebody how smart you are. Because when you solve their problem, they're going to know you're smart. (laughs) Exactly. And that is where therapists get caught when we're doing presentations, when we're writing something, we overfill, we like things are overflowing, you know, spilling on the floor with content, and you lose your readers or your audience partway through. So okay, so be concise, folks, start with an outline, start with what problem you're going to solve develop an outline, decide what you need to talk about and be concise. Is there a good word count that's sort of the sweet spot these days? I never like people to focus on word count. I kind of want you to just focus on the content. And then if you are a little wordy, the editors do a great job of cutting that back. But as far as getting a spine, having a book that has that spine, you're looking at 30,000 words. It's kind of a minimum. Most business book, most self-help books, they're they're hitting more like that 50,000 word you know, give or take a bit uh, in that mark. So that's about a 200 page, 220 page book, if it's the standard nonfiction book size. So anywhere in there is fine. Again, it goes back to your audience and how powerful it is what you have to say. Um, The other thing I want to mention was regarding the words, because we have had quite a few therapists write books. They tend to use big words and jargon and they want to sound smart to, and this is generalizing, this isn't everybody, but they want to sound smart to their peers and their peers aren't who you're typically writing the book for. So you got to remember who your audience is and write to that audience. And at the, at the highest level, write at a grade eight level, you know, and it's not, it, some people have called that dumbing it down and it's not, it is writing. So somebody actually wants to read it and they can get through it and they connect with you and they enjoy reading it. There's a lot of jargon that gets used that just will take somebody out of the moment and make it hard for them to get through the book. 
Yeah, well, it gets, you know, it does get boring, right? We need to be writing so that somebody wants to read what we're saying. If it's too complicated, we're going to lose them. You know, that certainly happens for me like that right to the eighth grade level. That works. So what if I want to write a book? I have a great idea, but I don't have time. I think maybe having somebody else write this would be a really good idea. How do you know when to and how would I even begin to hire a ghostwriter? And is that cheating? Because I'm anticipating what therapists are going to say. Well, that's kind of cheating. But when is that the appropriate choice to make? Because I might have an idea, but I don't have the time. It's funny. When I started Book Launchers, I only had writing coaches. And I had this almost that same mentality that it was cheating. And, and I also know there's tremendous benefit in being the one to write your book. But I had so many people come along and say, like, that's not a good use of my time. I'm dyslexic. I can't type. You know, like the, the list of reasons why somebody didn't want to write their book. You know, other people said, if, if it's a job that can be done for under $300 an hour, I'm not doing it because I can, you know, be doing things elsewhere. So there's lots of reasons. And ultimately, what I can promise you is you're still going to feel pain. So it's still going to feel like you wrote your book. <laughs> because It's going to hurt no matter what you do. The hard work of writing a book is not the typing. It's the thinking. And in both cases, whether somebody else is doing your typing or not, you still have to think through the stories, how the message is getting delivered, what that problem is that you're solving, what they need to know to solve that problem. Now, ghostwriters in the traditional sense are someone who you kind of drop a topic on, drop some research on, and they go off and write the book. Um, that's not how we do it. That's not how, you know, not all ghostwriters do that. We look at it more like a writing assist. So you're speaking to our writer on a weekly basis. Some of our clients just record voice notes. Some of our authors are actually writing it in like they write some that the writer kind of rewrites it and structures it. And so they're brain dumping and then it's getting form like it's it's more than an edit. And so there's lots of ways to get a book written. And, you know, it's I think it's limiting to think that you have to be the one that sits at the keyboard because some people that's just not feasible. And several years ago, we had somebody who wrote her book on her commute so she would be in the car and she would look at her list of, okay, this is the next chapter. She would talk that chapter out on her drive home, send that to the editor uh, or send that to the writer. He would get it transcribed and then he would edit it. And almost her entire book got written that way. So there's wow. lots of ways. And like I said, you'll still feel the pain. It'll still feel like you wrote a book. <laughs> yeah, right? but that's really efficient. I love that. So if what I'm wanting to do is I, I want to get more clients, I would obviously maybe put this on my website, but what if I want to become a speaker and I want to be able to go around and have people actually pay me for some of these ideas? How do I take this book and then parlay it into that? Yeah, the first thing I would look at is who's your audience that you want to be speaking to? Make sure you've got an audience that has that will pay you for speaking. Because some topics lend itself better to being paid than others. And in an ideal world, you're going to the corporate market. So you've got something that will speak to the corporate market. There are other groups. Some schools have budgets to pay. But so that's the first thing is, is think about that piece and, uh, and understand your, the obstacles that you're up against. Because some people are in, a, in an area where you're going to struggle to find good paying jobs. Um, so that's part one. You really want to think about who's the end audience that's going to pay you and what do you have to offer. The next piece is to kind of look at the whole business of being a speaker. It is not my book is out and now I'm a speaker. It is there's a whole kind of sequence of events that need to take place. One of them is just getting a demo reel. So get out there and start speaking and build that demo reel. 
The book is a great tool to help you get there. Again, if you've got a problem that people are interested in, that's a really, you know, a quick, a quick win. One really simple tip I can offer is to look at your chapters and try to think of your chapters almost as little talks. Hmm. And if you write a chapter and you title it like that would be a talk title, uh, that can actually lead to talks. We've had that happen to clients. My second book, I had a chapter called You Are Who Google Says You Are. And I had groups and associations having me come out and speak. And even if I wasn't getting paid for that talk, they were buying a copy of my book for every person in the audience because mm-hmm. they felt like it was such an important topic for their audience to get that, that resource on. So that can be really powerful uh, is, th- is looking at your chapters like talks and having the chapter solve a problem. Mm. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. And I love you are who Google says you are, because is that not the truth? I mean, I Google before I hire anybody, before I, I'm, I Google people all the time. So we are who Google says we are. So tell us a little bit about book launchers, because this, you've sort of infused a few pieces of what you do. But I think for therapists in particular, this sounds like an amazing way for people to get a book out into the world. So tell us how, if someone wanted to work with you and work with book launchers, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, there's lot, there's two different paths. There's lots of ways to get a book done. Like I said, there's no wrong way, but how we typically work with you is, is we look at this goal. What are you trying to achieve? And then we build that hook and that writing plan with you. And then we pair you with a writer or we pair you with a writing coach, uh, depending on which path you want to go. And then some people start with the writing coach and they go, I need help. And so they get paired with a writer. <laughs> and sometimes the writing coach is also a writer. So that then the coach becomes their writer. And so that is the first goal is that first draft of your book. And then we put it through three different kinds of editing. And then while that's happening, our book marketing team is working with you to create a launch roadmap and a launch plan and the strategies and doing some influencer research and all the pieces because we kind of touched on it. But one of the challenges a lot of people have is they don't have that newsletter list. They don't have that social media presence. They don't have those pieces. So if you've got a really good honed problem and hook, you're going to be able to tap into other people's audiences. And that's mm. what we're going for. Uh, and that, that's why we focus so much on who are you serving and how are you helping them? Because now we can pitch you to people who have audiences and get your book in front of them. And so that's, we build that plan. We start doing keyword research and category research and all the pieces in the middle while your book is getting developed. And then, you know, the cover and the interior and then distribution. And then we dive into marketing. And so everything we do is really layered with marketing in mind. And it's set up on a monthly basis. So you can work with us for as long as you want. So we can market your book with you at the end for as long as you want. Um, and you can cancel at any time too. So you're not committed to, you know, ideally you're committed to the project before you start because it's a lot of work, but you know, life, life happens. So if something happens and you need to pause, then you can. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah, I, I certainly feel the crunch right now with this book deal that I have. I, and there's so many words or so many chapters due by this date. And so it sounds like there's a bit of flexibility here because life does happen. So I think for a lot of therapists, that path makes sense. So you're really walking people through the process from start to finish and giving the amount or the, the type of assistance that they need. And it can take as long as it takes, but you really are helping people get from A to Z, no pun intended. So that's fabulous. So if somebody wanted to connect with you, Julie, how would they do that? Uh, The best thing is to go to booklaunchers.com forward slash seven steps. And that's our seven steps to write a book guide. It'll kind of 
walk you through a workbook of what we talked about today, really. And once you get that, you'll also get my email address. So you can hit reply. And that will also give you links to our sites and all the places you can hang out with me. (laughs) Oh, fabulous. Okay, wonderful. So folks, I hope you'll do that. I do hear from therapists frequently that they have a great idea. This might be a really wonderful way to get that process going and to not feel like you have to go it alone. So Julie, any final words, anything you want to leave our listeners with? I mean, my favorite saying is the missing piece is always action. So your your book will not have an impact on your business or anyone else if you don't write it. So <laughs> take action. Get writing, folks. That's right. That's fabulous. Well, Julie Broad of Book Launchers, thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing your wisdom. Much appreciated. And we will so look forward to having you with us next time. Be well. You've been listening to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast with Dr. Margot Jaco. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss an upcoming episode and head on over to the mentalhealthbusinessmentor.com website for resources and additional information. Thanks so much for listening and be well.